It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That's still crazy, that ring around the rosy thing he did. I just finished the quarterback. Oh, you just finished it? So a lot of the points that you was making comparing the quarterbacks. One, I got a lot of of love for Kirk Cousins. Got a lot of love. very well. A lot of love for Kirk Cousins, man. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. I don't really like speaking too bad of certain people, man, but... You could tell a beta male when you're looking at Marcus one. Marcus Mariota just <laughs> Marcus Mariota. He, yeah. he, he folded you, like a wet leaf. You can, you can tell a beta that. male I mean, when you're looking at one, man. I mean, and, like, and you could tell, by the way, you know what's funny with the three quarterbacks? You could tell based on how, like, how good they were by how pumped the rest of the team was. Yeah. Like, with Mariota, there was no energy. Yeah. With Cousins, there was you know, solid yeah. energy. I, I thought and with it, Mahomes, the team was ready to run through a wall. I, yep. thought, I thought Cousins had more energy than I thought because they was yeah. coming in and they're like, hey, he high-fiving. I'm but like, it wasn't like, no, no, no. I, I am real big on yeah. how you respond to adversity. I am yeah. real big on how you respond to moments to where nothing is going your way yeah. or where things is hard, man. If you can dig down and fight and don't quit, and like just keep working hard and be supportive of that other person or that yeah. other situation, it, it it it's just it's it's different. Yeah, quitting like, is lame. That's that's lame. Yeah, although that's the lame. Eagles signed him surprisingly. You know, so, yeah. So, anyway, go ahead, Mikey. All right, we're going to move on to our next topic, but first I want to give you guys a heads up. Tomorrow night at about 7, 7.30 after I do your podcast, Bull, I'm going to hop on with Earl for the next edition of Behind the Glass. Yeah. Me, Earl, Anthony's going to Nickelback, so he will not be joining us okay. on his birthday. We're it's giving him a pass. A but we'll do the next edition I, of Behind the, the way, Glass. By the way, I don't even think we've – We've mentioned that we're going to have Tom Hamilton on at noon. That's a terrible job out of me. We are going to have Tom Hamilton on at noon, which Tom is why Hamilton we have to get minutes. this next segment in before we yeah. move Aditi, on here. Oh, sorry. And then Aditi, Aditi after. No, we, uh, we're just going to talk through those. It, Aditi it is at 1230, and I'll be a guest on John Telich's podcast today, too. We're recording that. Tell John nice. I said what's up. I will. Definitely. That's my guy. So, over the weekend, Ricky Rubio announced that he was stepping away from the game of basketball to focus on his mental health. Yeah. He was slated to be the Cleveland Cavaliers' backup point guard this season, leaving a hole now at the end of free agency that they have to either fill internally or externally. Earl said on the day that free agency frenzy happened that the Cavs signing of Ty Jerome would go down as one of the best signings of the entire offseason. It was his favorite kind of under-the-radar move. And, Earl, are you walking on cloud nine today? Uh, no, I ain't walking on cloud nine yet. <laughs> but I do feel even better about having him. Uh, to me, this is a dude who, who's a baller. He's a big point guard. He's an athletic point guard. He's a guy that can go out there and get a bucket. He's a floor facilitator. He's a guy that can set up his teammates. Always point back to the game last year when the Cavs played the Warriors. Steph Curry didn't play. This dude came in and dropped like he had like 22 and 6. Yeah, something something crazy like that. So, you know, I felt like the Cavs needed more shooting and more athleticism at that backup point guard position anyway. You look at that, he shot 38% from a uh, three-point range. I think this is a this is a unfortunate situation for Ricky Rubio praying for him as he goes through what he goes through. But at the same time, I think it creates opportunity for a guy like uh, Ty Jerome, who can now play some significant backup point guard minutes. And then I think it also creates uh, some room potentially for a guy like Craig Porter Jr., who showed throughout summer league that uh, he, he can be a floor facilitator as well. 
if you look throughout the entire summer league, even the games to where he didn't dominate the, the necessarily like the point scoring part of the stat book, but it was the assist. You know what I'm saying? And it was the, the, the plus minus differential and it was things like that. So I think Ty Jerome is uh is 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 looking even better as that, that sneaky under the radar signing because you got him what Mike, what was it like two million, two or three million that they got him for? Jerome? Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty cheap contract. It was a pretty cheap number. contract for a guy who can shoot, a guy who can facilitate, and a guy that's big enough to to run and defend, man. That's what you want for a backup point guard. So I thought it was uh, – I think it looks better today. You know, I, you know. shout out to Ricky Rubio. Um, you know, you never want to see people go through certain situations. Um, you know, hopefully he, uh, you know, take care of his mental health. And, you know, he's a good, uh, good solid pro, good locker room guy. But I think one of the things that Ricky Rubio is dealing with is you got to remember he's had – he's already torn his ACL once. The second ACL is different, mm-hmm. right? And he's in his 30s. I couldn't imagine tearing an ACL. I mean, I tore partially tore my Achilles, and it was just it was rough, like trying to rehab because you don't, you're not young, you don't have that same sort of exuberance, and you know exactly what's in front of you as far as rehab. And you talking about you trying to play basketball, guarding people off the dribble. With that being said, though, I think the Cavs is in a in, in a surprisingly Good area. I, I, I can't believe the 180 I kind of had on the, on the Guardians. And that's just a testament to Cavs. Or excuse me, Cavs, yeah. Um, that's just a testament to, I mean, the guys that they brought in. I, Ty Jerome is a guy who, like you, I was yelling at my TV, can't nobody stop Adam <laughs> Sandler out here? Adam Sandler's wetting us up. And I was screaming my TV when I saw him. I, I think he, <laughs> I watched him at Virginia. I was salty as hell when he was eating us up. But he now he, he was cooking. That boy was cooking, baking an egg, scramble hard, boy, no all, cheese. All kind of no just cheese. all the fixings, man. <laughs> but I tell you what, I like him, but yeah. I also like an opportunity. And I'm Porter. Porter is nice. You look at it, see stuff in the stat sheet: six, six, uh, six rebounds, seven assists, or something like that. Uh, his three-point numbers look terrible, but I mean, I don't know how what kind of sample size that was. But I liked him, you know, immediately when they signed him the first time. But I, I would tell you what, I'm gonna go with this: Sam Merrill. You know why I like Merrill? Is because he is a bona fide knockdown shooter. I mean, he when it go up, you think it's going in every single time. And I need a dude like that. I need a dude that when he pulling up. You're like, oh, goodness, that's that Steph Curry heart attack. I hope he don't hit it. He better not hit that. Mike he said it ain't that. real, man. Huh? My, my man said it ain't real. Mike said it ain't real. You know, I you was know feeling the same way. You he said really that dude su- don't translate to the NBA. You know well, what sucks see. about all of this? The reality. And I, I, I said I wasn't going to watch the Cavs this year. If they to. didn't make any moves. You ain't got no choice. And then I said I will watch it. You're right? a professional. And they, and they made 96 moves. They <laughs> gave you all the moves. But here's the problem with all this. Mm-hmm. That nothing they do in the regular season matters. <laughs> it do, right? It doesn't matter. Mm. Maybe by the end of the year, Earl's going to say Ty Jerome had a top ten all time Cavs season. <laughs> That's correct. You, you know, George Niang. George Niang is going for the throne. Do you know what he would have to do to say that? Ty Jerome had the top ten season. Ty Jerome. He'd had to be. He'd had to be. Hey, Ty Jerome have a game with twenty five assists. Mark Price, look out. I don't know that much about Ty Jerome. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. 
But just looking at the numbers, he seems like he's perfectly capable of holding down Ricky Rubio. Uh, he's solid. Yeah, he's, it he's seems a solid. like he's perfectly capable of holding up, down that backup role. So and I these no are the other available free agent point guards. And it's a crapshoot of who you want and who fits. Nah. I like Ty Jerome in the current state was of here the last roster year. more yeah. than I like any of these guys. No. Totally what cool. happened to John Wall? It was just injuries that killed him? Or? Injuries, and he got the big contract and just I'm cool. I'm decided cool. to uh, – George Hill was here too. I'm cool. I'm, yeah, cool I'm, I'm with Earl, man. I, I, I'm, let's stick with Ty Jerome. Let's see what he's got. I mean, now, it's why, it's the me, regular season. Why, you mess, why don't you like Merrill? What's your, like you hate no Merrill. What's going no, on? No, no, listen. I have said Sam Merrill plays basketball like I wish I played. He is – what I hope to be as a player. <laughs> the highest version of McNuggets. <laughs> I could not give him more highly high praise. However, the issue with a guy like Sam Merrill is he may score 20 and he's going to give 24. Teams will hunt him out and barbecue chicken, to use a Shaq term, him every time he's on the court in a pick-and-roll situation. And as good as he is offensively, or as good as he's proven to be, especially in the G League, he scored 22 points that, a game in the G that League That Jamaican year. jerk, Duke can shoot. They give him the Jamaican jerk off the pick and roll every time. Yeah, where, where's your boy, Amari? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, listen, he'll be on Amari's you know, rotisserie stand tomorrow if he's yeah. in a game defensive. But is... I will say one thing with Merrill, though. When you have Jared Allen and Evan Mobley back underneath there the you rim, go. Yeah. you can be a little bit more of a suspect perimeter defender as long as you funnel guys to them. So maybe, but... If you're depending on Sam Merrill, to, it, it was like, now Kevin Love got to stop, but do you remember the feeling in the pit of your stomach, G, when Kevin Love switched out on Steph Curry? Hey, oh. I was scared as hell, Mike. That's what happens when I Sam Merrill switches on to anybody on the perimeter <laughs> in a regular season game. <laughs> I was, I was, All of us was watching. I'm holding my breath like, man, I know Steph can shoot that and hit that. Like, <laughs> that's like that's like you walking. I was so scared. It's like you walk into your house and see another man's gym shoes on the floor. Man, listen. And you'd be like, they made my gym shoes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like why they was on the court? Because I can still remember who was on the court. Can you imagine what was going through LeBron's head as he seen Kevin Love step out there on Curry with the, with the finals on the line? It was probably like, oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah. But no, real quick, because I know we got Tom Hamilton. Mike keep throwing up this whole, well, they don't play defense. And I ain't going to say defense don't matter and I don't care. But I seen the Cavaliers rank top five in damn near every defensive yeah. Uh, statistical category last year. It didn't year. matter in the playoffs. And it didn't matter because no. we couldn't get a bucket when it mattered. It so, didn't matter when it mattered. <laughs> yeah, so like... And they didn't play great defense in the playoffs No, either. they didn't. So, I, I'll take somebody that can go yeah. get a bucket By the way, I'll versus you, somebody that's a lot like, like liability. Answer, guys. Let's end this conversation with this. You guys are going to be with me on this one. You know who the Cavs have to sign? Forget all these other guys. Carmelo Anthony! <laughs> Carmelo! Where's the Brad emoji? Hey, listen. Fast ad. Immediately shut off Bulls Mike at the fast ad for that one. That outrageous take today was brought to us by our made-up spot. Let's give a shout out to Steve Becker. What's up, Steve? This fast ad reads for you. We appreciate everything you do behind yes, the scenes for buddy. us, Steve. That's and we are now back. Tom Hamilton will join us here momentarily. As soon as he's on the line, we will bring Tom in. But if I have to hear Carmelo Anthony's name, how about they draft Kai and Anthony? Oh, wait, on basketball. Yeah. You tweeted this ball, but I had the same thought watching the game. Yeah. How many touchdown passes did DTR have to throw before G compared him to Imani Bates? And did you make that comparison yourself, G? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, I seen it on a tweet. I seen it in yeah. a tweet. I seen, hey, no. Nah. Bull's tweet was hilarious. It was the first thing that really came to It was the greatest <laughs> subtweet of all time. <laughs> and, but it was like, yo, it was like, I think with DTR, uh, he's going to have to, like, he would have to be like Jordan Love. He got to, like, like, if they try to make him the incumbent, 
Like, that's when I'll start saying he's Imani Pates. Like, when they say, right, right, right. when Deshaun Watson is all said and done, they're going to hand the keys to DTR and everybody yeah. knows it, then you could be him. You could be Imani right. but other than that. But uh, yeah, right now, if Imani Bates plays, you're like, okay, that's exciting. He must be have some potential. If DTR plays this year, that's exactly. <laughs> no, <laughs> I agree with that. Good. If DTR I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, though. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. By the way, he, he is, has he earned a nickname yet? He's been DTR for, for a He's while. He's been DTR I mean, since he played in high school at Cedric Tillman. All right. He yeah, he's really he been DTR UCLA. for a while. Okay. I, this is what I think going to happen. I think he's going to continue to have a great cap and preseason, and he's going to do so next year, the year after that, the year after that. And then it's going to be contract time again for Deshaun Watson, and it's going to be fans saying, don't sign him because mm-hmm. we got DTR. Well, if Deshaun Watson plays up to his capability, Watch. those fans will be idiots. But here's the thing. He got to catch Josh Dobbs because Josh Dobbs is him. Like the yeah. season he had, like the, his preseason he had yeah. last year. Josh See, Timothy Dobbs. They're going to keep him. Kellen Mond is, is yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. gone. They might have the same quarterbacks for the rest of their life. I, why, would, why, would, why would they move on from Dobbs? They're just not. They no, Dobbs even, is here for one year, they bro. Don't, they, they he, don't, he a placeholder. He a placeholder. He a one-year rental for backup. They won't even let him play the first preseason game. They got Josh Dobbs on ice. Like, yeah, 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 no, yeah. Tuck him I away. I don't think Dobbs is necessarily only here for one year. I do. I, I, they, I, I do. think they love him. They do. I, think they I don't think, yeah. I think Dobbs is the perfect backup quarterback. I really do. I mean, I don't know. We don't know if he could play in a regular season game. He's only played one no, game no, last that, year. No, no, and that's fair. But I just mean as far as the, like, being a backup is really tough, and not everyone's cut out to be a backup quarterback. And I'll, I'll use Johnny Manziel because his documentary right. came out today, and I can't wait to watch that. Later in this week, we'll have to do a. I'm torn because I despise him is so it on, much. Is it on Netflix? It I dropped so. today on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I'm on that. It's only an hour long. It's one hour, oh, it's one, just one episode. Hour? Yeah, one hour, Manziel? one episode. I, I just can't stand him. I don't know but that like, I want to. A guy I'll like Johnny Manziel yeah. never had the ability to be a backup. Like, he needed to be in the spotlight. He needed to be the guy. Yeah. Well, I don't think Baker's going to be a backup. I agree. I, I, I don't think Baker, Baker has that If Baker is not the starter this season in Tampa, his career is over He'll pretty retire. much. But Josh Dobbs is the guy who I think is perfectly content being the guy who's ready when called upon. Yeah. Knowing it's but not But he's not a perfect – perfect backups are Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Fitzpatrick – Okay, I, like those guys can play and win you a couple I, games. I, I think I think if he develops, if he continues to just a little bit more, yeah. Because what you can do is, I, you could just give him a bunch of information; he'll retain it. He's like, so right. smart. He might be one of those guys. But right now, like those are the back. Andy Dalton is another good backup yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Andy Andy Dalton's rare. Same thing with Bridgewater. Wait, would you take Dalton over Dobbs? Of course. Oh, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because I could use, use his legs. No, not in this system. I Hell no, I Oh, you mean for the Browns specifically? You talking about for the Browns system? I, I was just saying in general. I, I, I would still, still rather have him. So me, Andy Dalton can win some games. To me, the best, the best backup ever. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is uh Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Fitz, Fitzpatrick. For a month, he'll play great. For a month, he'll yeah. come. He'll hit you for three hundred. What's his name? Uh, who was used to be on Jacksonville? That was on Philly. 
Chase Daniels? Gardner Minshew. Yeah, I, Minshew. I almost, he's a, he's guy, a really good Another guy. For a month, he'll play well for I you. I almost said Mitch Mustang. <laughs> Even Brian Hoyer. He'll play well for you for a couple weeks. Yeah, he's he's the... Uh, he's but he the, can't play a whole season. He's the, he's the play-action dink and dunk guy. Oh, Nick Foles. You got to mention Nick Foles. Foles. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's... Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles? That's insane. <laughs> that is insane. Oh, hold on, hold on. We lied to ourselves. Dang, we so stupid. Ooh. The greatest backup of all time is Jimmy G. But he's masquerading as a starter. Mm. He is a he is the supreme level of a backup because you're like, dang, yeah. Jimmy G. Alex Smith was a good backup too. He was he was. He's so yeah. he's so good that he make you think he's a starter. Who is the most popular backup quarterback in modern day Cleveland Browns history? Like not best, Ooh. but most Kelly popular. Kelly Holcomb? No. Yeah. No. Kelly Holcomb or no. it was either Carly Holcomb or Derek Anderson. Derek, Brian Hoyer was. Brian Hoyer. Nah, no, I think it was Brian Hoyer. In, in more recent, but yeah. he, I think G's right going further back with Kelly Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb. But was, it, since I've been here, I think it's Brian Hoyer yeah. since 2011. When Tim, you had because Tim Couch, like when Kelly Holcomb was playing, it was so messed up. It was a different playbook. Kelly Holcomb would get in the game and they got all these receivers and formations. Tim Couch get in and they be like, "Where's these plays at?" Kelly Holcomb went to Pittsburgh in a playoff game in the snow. And threw for like 370. By the way, another really good backup that was a start. There's actually two really good backups. One that's, I think, retired now. And one that's still backing up that were both starters here briefly. Jason Campbell mm-hmm. was an excellent backup. Yeah, he was good. And, yeah. and Colt McCoy, who's become, he was a starter here. Uh, yeah, as Colt a McCoy's rookie, a good one. Yeah, he was, He's become a Yo, great backup. Colt McCoy is the one guy who, who's came through here since 1999 that I felt like did not get a fair shake. I felt like Colt McCoy could have been a solid starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't see it. I, I, I felt that I way. I, I definitely felt arm. that way. I don't think so. All, he got the, he had that injury uh, in the championship game in Texas. That yeah. I think that nerve remember injury. When the, but remember when the Steelers? Who was it? Just beat I the put, shit out. I, of I put I put that, that started the whole concussion I, stuff. I put that. Uh, I put it in a montage of a video I just did. Oh, did you? And James Harrison almost oh, killed James Colt Harrison, McCoy right, twice. Right. Oh my god! And the Browns did nothing. He James Harrison caught uh, Muhammad Massaquai. Oh yeah, almost killed him. Um, then they then they punished Josh Cribs. They 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 ended his Wildcat career because they was like, oh, we can helmet to helmet hit you outside of the box. <laughs> like yeah. you're you're a runner. You you're not defenseless. And they was just like, and then when when Antonio Brown karate kicked the punter. <laughs> I, yeah! Wow! Even as a Browns fan, you had I to was laugh like, at that it, one. It was so disrespectful. It was. It oh was. The, it, it, it really just as a Who Browns. Who was the punter? I don't even remember. I can't even remember. What, what did Cole quit? It might have been. It could have been. Know. He that, got kicked in the face oh, for that no was reason. So humiliating. And I was just like, this is what we, what have what have we become? More this, humiliating that being that punter or Tim Anderson right now. Nah, it got to be Tim Anderson. No, 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 I don't know. Tim so, Anderson. Somebody yeah. left their feet. <laughs> he dropped his glove and squared up and but got so, knocked but, out, bro. Somebody <laughs> put their big toes on your chin strap. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I have I get, no idea what I just missed. Did I get the mic? Oh I, I, got my the mic. God. I just spit out water all over the place. My shirt is soaked. Can somebody give me some oh, paper towels. Oh, 
He's such a big toe all over your chin. This slide was so funny, and I had just taken thank put, you. It, it, I was like, oh, I didn't even know you had the water in there. I was oh, like, oh, man. It's a wrap. I mean, but that's oh, my God. how disrespectful <laughs> is that, man? Come on, Earl. Like, man, no. Like, listen, he died I literally just, I, I just seen that play <laughs> on the reel. I'm sorry, though, bro. Look. Look, you, Tim tried to play the tough guy, right? He 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 tried to play the tough guy role. He stared down, know him through his glove off, and he told him square up. Jose him. said, "Oh what?" He missed him two right hands, and it was over. <laughs> it was over. And he missed him two overhand rights. <laughs> when he got back up, he was oh <laughs> he was so stunned. He tried to act like he wanted some more. And- by the way, he, by his, tweets, his tweets is giving crazy. Oh my God. He got me on that one. Yo. On that one. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this, but he played last night and then he had to come out in the middle of the game. <laughs> he had to come out in the middle of the game. He's the first baseball player under a concussion protocol. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, you oh got to miss gosh. this game and next game. That's oh. so hilarious. Uh, woo. Case Keenum, that's true. Uh, Yo. Chad Henney, good backup. Steve tweets. Chad Henney, Jacoby Brissett. We forgot about Jacoby Brissett already. Oh, uh, Jacoby Brissett. We all, we all forgot about him. He was here last year. My homie just texted me. He said, Bull Wilder, man. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> My homeboy, you see? <laughs> I am. Uh, that, it, G had a very funny line. Yeah. Uh, and they missed it. All right, <laughs> uh, we got Tom Hamilton. Oh, my gosh. Tom Hamilton is with us. We gotta get, Let's get serious here. Hi, Tom. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys, good to be with you. Thanks, Tom. We got to start, obviously, with something that everybody's talking about, of course, which is the fight and how you so amazingly went from baseball mode to boxing mode and down goes Anderson. And obviously, there's no possible way to prepare for something like that, because how could you ever think that was going to happen? I mean, that old forget forget the benches clearing, which happens rarely in baseball, but two guys squaring up. I don't. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen that once or twice, maybe. What, what, how did you make that transition so quick? That was so funny. I mean, it's just making thank the rounds. You. It's unbelievable. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I mean, to your point, no, you never expect anything like that, um, especially when you didn't really sense that there was any kind of an undercurrent. Right. Until the next day, when I was in the clubhouse talking to players and coaches and was told a few things that you hadn't been told before. And mm. I get it because uh, uh, what goes on in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse, but it was then exposed with that brawl that escalated on what seemingly was an innocent play at second. But to your point, yeah, normally you can maybe anticipate a bench clearing if you've seen guys getting drilled by pitches in a series or in a game where both teams are unhappy with either being brushed back or hit by a pitch. But, you know, we didn't have any of that. And so that was the most, I think, unpredictable bench clearing that I've seen in my 34 years with a ball club. And it's certainly the first time that I've seen literally the two guys square off. Normally a baseball fight is a lot of hollering, pushing, shoving, and then guys looking over their shoulder when they're charging them out going, boy, I hope somebody gets out here and stops. So I don't get beat up. Yeah, that's a great point. I thought one of the things you said on the broadcast, which is so true, is that you never like Jose never gets mad. It, I mean, who has more fun playing baseball than Jose Ramirez? So he had to really be. I mean, for for not for any player to get to that point is one thing, but for him, that was just so stunning. 
Well, I, I think, and again, once you talked to the guys the next day and they shared some more of the insight as to yeah. what had gone on the week before where um, they felt Tim Anderson was really disrespecting Gabriel Arias. It continued on Saturday night with Arias playing first base and Anderson chirping at him so much from the dugout uh, that the one first base umpire went over there and told Anderson to knock it off. Um, wow. It was also a byproduct of what had happened on Friday night with another rookie, Brian Rocchio, sliding headfirst into second. Anderson, you know, with a hard tag, knocked his hands off the bag purposely. Now the umpire blew the call. Yeah. Now, you know, at the end of the day, Anderson's trying to get an edge any way he can. The umpire blew the call. But the bottom line was for Hosey, he felt like this was a veteran trying to bully the rookies. And this was Jose Ramirez sticking up for his teammates. Love it. This is why Jose Ramirez is revered in that clubhouse by his teammates. When you're a teammate of Jose, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or if you're a rookie like Arias and Rocchio. You're a teammate, and he has your back. And I think we heard more from Jose than we've ever heard in regards to what his thought process was and you know how he felt like Anderson was disrespecting the game. Hosey has never been thrown out of a ball game. He never argues with an umpire. If he disagrees with a call, he disappears in the dugout, goes up the tunnel so nobody sees it. So that's his way of showing respect to the umps, getting out his frustration where nobody can see it. Um, and to the point that the other day, Tito wanted to give him a day off. This was before uh, the skirmish. And Jose said, Tito, I get a day off when the calendar says we don't have a game that day. Otherwise, I want to be in the lineup. So he's the epitome of what you want in a ball player and even more importantly, in a teammate. No doubt. Tom, man, it's a pleasure to be sitting here in front of you. I got a question, but I got a statement real quick. Uh, last year, I hosted my first ever radio show uh, on a <laughs> fan. And some of the advice I got from Ken Carmen, he says, don't waste time telling people who you are. You got six minutes to make people decide, are they going to listen to you or Tom <laughs> Hamilton? And to be sitting here now on TV talking oh, to you, well, man, it's a you. pleasure. So definitely well, congratulations to you. to you. Thank you. Thank you. Gavin Williams, another rookie in this game, right? Yeah. Uh, 12 strikeouts yesterday, became the first Guardians pitcher with at least 12 Ks as a rookie. Talk about the biggest difference you see from him from his first career start to what he did last night. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and I think what we're seeing as we saw last night, is a young man starting to feel comfortable, a young man that goes, hey, my stuff plays up here. You know, in baseball, we always use the adage, trust your stuff, especially when you're talking about a pitcher because they come up here and, and, and pitches that were getting minor league hitters out are suddenly getting hit for base hits. Well, it happens up here. That's because these guys are the best hitters in the game, and sometimes your best stuff isn't good enough. Um, that's why it's the best playing against the best. But he started now to really figure it out that attack the zone, don't nibble, don't try to make the perfect pitch. His stuff plays up here. And, you know, I think last night to do that against that kind of a lineup gives you an idea of what his future is all about. And the guy going tonight, Tanner Bybee, is uh, I think even a little bit further along than Gavin Williams. But, you know what, we haven't had two young pitchers with this kind of stuff come up at the same time, boy, I, I almost have to go back to CC Sabathia 
in Fausto Carmona. And they did it after they had had several years under their belt. Um, you know, the future is really bright when you look at this pitching staff with Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, and, and Logan Allen. And, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of general managers today asking their scouting director, why did Cleveland get him with the 23rd pick in the first round? What, what were we doing? Yeah, certainly. No doubt, Tom. Uh, the pitching, the young pitching has been so good. They've continued to move on from the older pitching, bring in the younger. It always works. Unfortunately, as great as he pitched, he didn't win. I know we don't judge pitchers by wins anymore, which I think is smart, but pitchers still want to get wins. And, to, you know, for the team to only get one hit behind him has got to be so frustrating. Uh, did he, you know, did I, I don't know if, if you went to the clubhouse after the game yet or no. last night, but no, but. How frustrated do you think he was to not get a win in that situation? You know what? No, I I, um, I don't think he probably was. Um, okay. He's not that kind of a kid. He is really quiet and very laid back until he gets on the mound, and then you see how competitive he is. But, you know, I, I think one of the things is with young pitchers, um, first off, the club has done a really great job with these kids coming up here and knowing their place. Um, the old adage really plays in a major league clubhouse. When you're a rookie, you're to be seen, not to be heard. Um, veterans don't want rookies coming up and popping off and, and becoming the center of the clubhouse. You, you need to earn your way into that clubhouse. And our ball club's been very good as far as accepting young players and you know not putting them through some kind of a quote-unquote hazing uh, scenario that that doesn't happen in this clubhouse, but you're still a rookie, and I I think these guys have really come up here with an idea of how to handle themselves, how to be a pro in that clubhouse, and, and that's also not in their makeup. Um, look, uh, we've had other guys here that would be pretty darn selfish when it would come to having that kind of a performance and not getting the run support that you talked about. And uh, one of those guys is now pitching in Japan, but I won't mention his name. But um, you <laughs> know, surprise. these kids, uh, these kids know their place, and uh, they know how to stay humble. You know, Sandy Alomar has always said it best: baseball is a game for those that are humble and those that are about to be humbled. And you know, these kids mm. know that there's going to be a day where maybe they give up four runs, and the ball club scores five or six and bails them out. You know, uh, Tom. I, you know, the, the it's very rare that you see the Guardians uh, or the Indians back in the past have any sort of, I guess, uh, weak weak moments, right? Moments of vulnerability. Um, I thought one of those those moments was last week when um, you know the front office had to go explain you know what they were thinking in terms of the future right now, players, why certain players were moved, and um, you know when that happens. It's very rare for this group of people, uh, especially the front office, because they always seem to make the right move. Um, even when it comes to top names like Lindor, top names like uh, Sabathia we talked about, they've always been able to replace those guys. And so you really can't fault them um, and, and, and fault them in what they're doing and moving. Um, what was your thought process um, when you heard that they had to go talk to the team um, and, and is that something that, you know, that was a hard call because they usually don't make moves like that. Yeah. Th th those are really valid and good questions and points. 
Um, I think one of the things that has separated Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff and Tito is their transparency. And I think that's why guys like playing here and appreciate playing here because they are transparent. They let them know where they stand. You know, and Chris and Cherney, the day after the deadline, caught a 6.30 flight in the morning to get down to Houston because we had a day game. And they knew our clubhouse was upset, especially the veterans. Not so much the rookies because, again, some of these kids are like, hey, I'm so happy to be here. I'm not complaining about anything. But when you're a veteran, uh, guys like Josh Naylor and, and Jose Ramirez, they weren't happy because that meant that, look, um, this ball club doesn't look like it's going to be good enough to get into the playoffs. And and so Chris and Cherney wanted to be there to let those players talk to them, air out whatever grievances they had, um, whatever complaints that they might have, and, and, you know, be accountable as a front office. Look, at the end of the day, guys, if Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, and Cal Quantrill are healthy and pitching, this doesn't happen at the deadline. Um, you don't see Rosario and Savali and, and Bell getting traded. You would have seen them go out and try to add a piece or two uh, to make that playoff push and have a deep run in October. But you're not getting Shane Bieber back until at least mid-September. Um, it may be even later than that for Tristan McKenzie. Cal Quantrill probably isn't going to pitch on the big league level until late this month. You know, at some point, you have to be realistic and you have to go – hey, this is just too much to overcome, and we cannot throw young assets to go out and get a veteran piece when we know that this ball club, with these injuries, it's just not feasible for them to to win this division and have a deep run in October. They don't want to just get into the playoffs. They want to get back to the World Series and win it. And I think with Aaron Savali, um, I get why a lot of people are like, well, why would you trade your best starting pitcher? Look, and and again, not to diss Aaron Savali, but the facts are he's missed two to three months in each of the last three years, including this year. And their concern was, is Aaron Savali going to stay healthy long term? And is this the time that we move him when his stock is at its best? And they also needed to get what they hope, and we'll see, is a young impact hitter. You know, what they're going to have to really look closely at is why are we able to develop all this great young pitching and not Mm -hmm. good young hitting? Mm -hmm. And what you don't want to continue to have to do is rob Peter to pay Paul and and have to trade that good young pitching to go get a hitter. Uh, You've got to be able to do both. And so I think that'll be something that'll be looked at closely this offseason in particular. So, Tom, essentially, you know, I think that was a great response because my follow-up question was going to be five and a half games out. You know, it seems like now basically it's about letting these young guys develop, letting these young guys, you know, prove what they have for the rest of the season going into next year. And, hey, if you end up at the top of the division, you do. But if not, that's fine as well. So, you know, you're talking about robbing Peter to pay Paul. What can they do differently you know, going forward to try to see if they can develop these hitters. I'm 35. Well, I remember yeah. the Indians teams with Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey, and, you know, yeah. all the homegrown guys. They didn't have great pitching. They had all the power bats. Now yeah. it's the total opposite. What can they do? What can they do? What do you think they can do? 
Well, if I had the answer to that, you guys wouldn't have me on because I'd be making a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's a really good point. And I think that's the question they're asking themselves. I know it is. Look, um, again, I, I, you know, I'm prejudiced because obviously I look, I work for the organization, but I also see how it's done elsewhere. And I, I just think our front office is as sharp as it gets. And they've had revenue constraints, as we all know. Um, you know, I'd love to see what Chris and Cherney would do if they had $250 million payroll. Like, you know, look what we're seeing in New York. Those two ball clubs have spent over $600 million this year, and neither ball club's going to get to the playoffs. And so if if you and I all see this, you know darn well that Chris and Cherney are asking the same question. What do we need to do here to make sure that we're also producing impact hitters? Because that has been something, you know, outside of Francisco Lindor. Now, Jose Ramirez was like so many young Latins that you get out of either the DR or Venezuela. Those are all free agents. Frankie Lindor, because he was from Puerto Rico, they're part of the Major League Draft, and, of course, he had moved to Florida as well. But when you look at it, Francisco Lindor is really the last guy that we have drafted and developed that's really turned into an impact player that was a first-round pick. So, you know, they're, they're obviously looking at this as we're talking about it. Because they know this better than than anyone that, you know, they, they've got to get better at it. I, I, I think we are seeing, you know, that obviously they drafted and developed Stephen Kwan and, and Will Brennan. And those two kids in the outfield are off to nice starts in their careers. You know, I, I think we're seeing Brian Rocchio. Um, and that that's part of also why Ahmed Rosario was traded. They have to figure out, guys, who's the shortstop going forward? Is it Brian Rocchio? Is it going to be Gabriel Arias? Do you move Andre Simenez from second back to short? Um, Those are questions. They've got to get some answers on those questions here the next two months so they've got more of a game plan going into the offseason. And I I think you'll see this be a very busy ball club this offseason because what you also don't want to do, you can't waste this good young pitching. And then all of a sudden they get to become – free agents and can you afford to keep some of them all of them um you've got to be able to be winning now when you've got what looks to be a heck of a crop of starting pitching that you'll control for the next five years tom last thing obviously big story last night it seemed like everybody in in the industry was tweeting about this the situation with the orioles and their young broadcaster kevin brown who just stated statistics about how the orioles have been terrible against the rays and then I mean, the Orioles are a weird organization, but they suspended him for that. I mean, it just seemed crazy. As a veteran broadcaster, what do you think about this? Well, I'll answer it in two ways, and yeah. I'm not trying to dodge it. One, I'm, I'm not real comfortable commenting on that story yet because I don't know all the details. Fair. All we know is kind of what we're getting are bits and pieces, and the Orioles are saying that's not true, and, and um, I, I haven't even – talked to Kevin Brown. We play Baltimore in September. So I'm not real comfortable talking or commenting on a situation where maybe I don't know the full story. What I will say is I am so grateful, and it's part of why we've been lucky enough to be here 34 years. One, we absolutely love Cleveland. We're able to raise four children here, and I can't think of a better place than we could have raised our four 
than here in Cleveland. That's first and foremost. Secondly, and every bit as important, the organization has never handcuffed me or any of our other broadcasters, as I, as far as I know, about what you can say and you can't say. Now, look, we all make mistakes, and I'm at the top of the leaderboard when it comes to making mistakes and, and saying things maybe I shouldn't have or maybe I went too far with it. I mean, that that's a internal battle that you always have. But at no point have I ever been told, hey, you got to be all, you know, rose petals when you talk about our ball club. Right. The beauty of the Indians under Dave Jacobs and now the Guardians under Larry Dolan's ownership, they have always believed that the best tool that I have is credibility. And your credibility is compounded if you're only allowed to talk about positive things. So after a while, your audience no longer trusts you, nor are they going to listen to you right. because they don't believe you. Now, you've got to be careful. And, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, and hopefully I am. Um, but, um, you know, what you don't want, and Herb Score taught me a long time ago, the longer you're in the booth, the more you start to feel like you're God, judge, and jury. Mm. And and that's something you always have to be cognizant of, that you don't know everything. But by the same token, I have never once been said, hey, um, what are you doing? You can't do this. This is what you need to say. And I'm eternally grateful for that because without that freedom, you don't have much of a career. That's fair. Great stuff, and that's great to hear. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it as always. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, guys, appreciate thanks for you. having me. Great to be with you. The great Tom Hamilton. He's as good as it gets, man. It's always, always a pleasure having him on. Uh, Mikey, go. we're going to have a Didi in a couple of minutes. Go ahead. We'll have Didi in a couple of minutes. We really do. We're so lucky in Cleveland to have some of the best radio play-by-play announcers in yes. the entire country, regardless of sport, between Jim Donovan, Tom Hamilton, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the Cavs guy, but all he came on the show. He was great on the show. Man, rest in peace to Joe Tate, man. Joe yeah, Tate we, we really are lucky one. to have some yeah. elite company here. We're going to get to Aditi as soon as – ooh, Aditi's hopping on. She's just stepped out of the chair, so we'll bring Aditi on in one second. Play-by-play uh, of Aditi sitting in a chair. Well, we're going to do some play-by-play to end. Kareem Hunt officially signing with the Saints, by the way. Oh, assuming really? Assuming he passes the physical, so Kareem Hunt off the market, which That's... means that the Browns are going to sign another running back. It will not be their he, former They were not Padres. bringing it back. Saints signed uh, so linebacker Anthony Barr as well. They also signed Anthony Barr. That is correct. It's and that funny. is pending physicals. So. I, before last year, I thought that Kareem Hunt would be a starter somewhere else this year. I did too. And I was so wrong. He, he is, I mean. He's going to be Jamal Williams' backup. Doing the Alvin Kamara suspension. Yeah, first of all, Alvin Kamara's only missing Alvin Kamara's only missing three games. Right. So Jamal so, Williams will be the starter. Yeah, but they got a, a kid they drafted, didn't they? Yeah, Keandre Carter. I don't think he's going to move ahead of him. Why would he? Why would they do that? Because he's a rookie. Yeah, who knows? Backs play. But Bull, what I do I know, uh, yes. and I don't pretend to be a genius. We yeah, all know that I'm not. Do. I do certainly. But I do it's know. That our favorite AFC North insider and Cleveland Brown sideline reporter for the first preseason game at home this season is the one, the only Aditi Kinkabwala, who now joins us for the first time with me back since. You say it January. as if it didn't count when you weren't here. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't here last week. She wasn't here, so it didn't, it didn't really count. count. Wait, it didn't wait, Aditi, I'm Earl, <laughs> and it's nice to meet you. I know you. because Anthony didn't. <laughs> Anthony didn't tell Earl. <laughs> Anthony, yeah. uh, uh, Aditi had never met Earl because Earl hadn't been on the yeah. air last year when she was on. 
And Anthony, you know, dropped the ball. Didn't yeah. say, hey, Earl's on the panel. Which yeah. is, you know, whatever. Four-top producer, aspiring no, host, huge fan of yours. So it, it was oh. fun for me to be out here in front of you. Looking forward to Friday. It was okay. It wasn't like we needed a formal introduction. We just got right down to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So, no, I'd say, I think Kareem Hunt is never coming back, guys. You know, like never. relationships <laughs> sometimes run their course. And yeah. so... Best of luck to him because you always wish best of luck to any player. But um, good note that you should never really be a pain, right? Yeah. And never break bridges. And I oh, wait a second. I don't so wish I you heard that every player. I heard, somebody told me that I don't have sources. Yeah, so they just yeah, you read, do. I, I kind of yeah, I got to But I heard that like like Kareem Hunt was like really they were like really kind of disgruntled. Like he was not happy last year, and the Browns were like, okay, we're not happy either. And it, I didn't see that. Wait, what do you what do you mean? Like you heard that? Didn't he do it himself when he had a hold in, and he sort of made it known that he wasn't happy with the amount of money that he was getting, and that he wanted a new deal? We kind of overlooked. So that. it's not like it's really a herd. I mean, it's sort of this isn't like quite as salacious. If well, it he sounds heard other cool, things, he heard more details. Say Kareem Hunt wasn't happy. We can do that, but Kareem Hunt made clear that he wasn't happy last he year. He did in the beginning, and I just. Uh, yeah, you know, sure, in the beginning, I guess. But then last year it was different. And now everybody's using the Mike Tomlin line. Everybody wants volunteers, not hostages. And so I think if you're not happy at a place and you make it known that you're not particularly happy at a place or you feel underappreciated or you feel underpaid or you feel undervalued in some way, then, it, I mean, it's never going to be one-sided. Yeah. I mean, come on, gee, if you tell your wife that you're unhappy – then you think your wife is just going to be like, oh, but I'm so happy. It's going to make her unhappy, too. Oh, yeah, man. I made that decision. I, I did that a few times. No, I was engaged. You've been married seven times. <laughs> I was engaged. I'm like, I am not happy. I don't like your tone today. Yeah. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> not yeah. working for me. Diddy's <laughs> frozen. That was so Gee, funny. I miss you. Yeah, even though Mikey says it doesn't count, I missed you last week, G. Oh, I did. Yeah, thank you. Right. I, I do have a I do have an off kilter question to ask because I always ask her because I'm I'm Shocker. you know I'm thinking about trying to be a parent. Um, so, at, at what age, um, at what age do um, you you let your kids wear their own clothes? Do, they, do your kids right now pick out the outfit for the like? Do they just get up and be like, yeah, I'm gonna wear this, or are they still in the mode where they just try to run things back? Mm, no, they are most definitely picking their clothes, both of them. And it was very, very disappointing with my daughter because I thought I was like getting a real life Barbie doll. Right, but you nope, said that. She has, yeah, she's got strong opinions. But, you know, here's the magic, G. If you are a very smart parent, you know how to manipulate them into the clothing <laughs> that you want them to wear. Oh, and you do this. <clears throat> yes, and you and you hold your bullets. You choose the occasions where it's really important that you drive, hey, this is what we are wearing today. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, you're kind of in a you know how it goes, G. You're just but like, don't you have veto power? So you don't. You. you look I... so handsome. You look so tall, Nico. You look great if you actually wear real clothes instead of a t-shirt and gym shorts. Because apparently, <laughs> all the kid ever wants to wear is gym shorts or sweatpants. He's a kid. What's wrong I with that? that? I think that's. I, I think that's real clothes, though. Yeah. I, I think that's real clothes. I got on sweatpants and a t-shirt. No, that's real clothes. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> 
Oh, wait yeah, a but you know what? Occasionally, like when you're yeah. on the golf course, you got to wear a, you know, collar oh, no. shirt. But you go to a party, it might be nice to wear something that has a button on it. No, like I don't one. like buttons. One button on the shorts. Is that really so awful? Yes. Adidas. It's absurd that people have to get dressed up. It's insane <laughs> that people have to wear a suit and a tie. And the only thing dumber than people wearing a suit and tie is that people who are talking about sports have to get dressed up is the stupidest thing of all time. You know, I, I will agree with you on that one. I remember when I first went to the NFL Network. So this is all the way in 2000. 12 i was at the nfl network and albert breer god bless him would be out on a training camp field wearing a suit and i was just like yes i mean everybody else out there is in shorts it's 90 something degrees we're all sweating i mean i i had this issue last year because someone took umbrage with the fact that on the sideline where p.s when i'm on television you only see me from here up and as a sideline reporter you mostly hear my voice you don't even see anything but i log at least 10 to fifteen thousand steps during a game so i'm down in jacksonville it's 96 degrees i'm wearing a blouse and i'm also wearing a golf skirt you know so it's a it's umbrage with that I'm not saying that on air right now but it was a thing (laughs) this is telling me off the air Sure, I'll tell you off there. Okay, it wasn't a boss. It wasn't a superior. Yeah. So that's okay. But I mean, if you're running 15,000 steps, I'm wearing yeah. sneakers. I'm not yeah, wearing stilettos ridiculous. because I'm on a football field yeah. and I wore a golf skirt. Mm. So there you go. Adi. Anyway, moving on. I'm yeah, sure moving on. Moving on. Who derailed that conversation? Who started that? So, so we know Kareem Hunt not coming back to Cleveland. He was never coming back to Cleveland. Uh, Jerome Ford uh, but, yeah. apparently suffered like a hamstring injury. And, you know, me, G, and uh, Bull was talking about how those things can linger. Should the Browns actually explore the free agency market to bring in another running back just to be on the safe side, or should they be okay with what they have? Well, no, I, I do think that you're always exploring, right? You're always looking what's out there, and you're always seeing is there a possible upgrade. You look at, for instance, the signing of a Juan Thornhill. I don't know that the Browns are necessarily actively saying we want to go chase him, but then all of a sudden the market appears and you pounce. So you've always got your eyes open. You've always got your ears open or plugged or whatever the cliche would be there. But I do think that even if Jerome Ford is ready for the start of the season – It is disappointing that he will miss some preseason snaps. I think there was an expectation that we'd see a good chunk of him in the preseason just to get him more reps. I personally feel like you can be confident with him as your number two back. You still need a third back. And there's just some questions about the three that we've seen so far. And so I wouldn't be shocked. Now, maybe one of the three, Felton, Kelly, and the third kid whose name somebody helped me out right now. I My can't goodness. Who's the other kid? The kid they got. I can't think of his name either. John, John Kelly? Kelly? No, Kelly. Kelly's not No, I kid. said John Kelly. We know Kelly. The we know Felton. Felton. And who's the other guy? Uh, nobody knows. There is no All right, this is where I need a producer. Or, like, go away from me Our so I can look failed. down at my oh, roster number 30. roster or something. In Listen, any case, we, we I do know, think it's that. very obvious. We all know who this was. It's slapping it was definitely Kelly. not John Kelly. It was Hassan Hall, obviously. <laughs> Duh. How'd you forget Hassan Hall? Like, like Hassan Hall. Hall. Like, come on now. Huh? Good so, part of this team. So, I think, yeah, these are three young men that, you know, could potentially show more at, in order to secure that third running back spot. But if not, the Browns aren't doing their due diligence, aren't doing their job if they're not out there to see how the market materializes in the next month. 
I mean, we're going to see a lot of that anyway in the next month, right? As cuts are made, teams are looking like, oh, it's here's another cliche for you. One man's trash is another one's treasure. So maybe a team lets somebody go and all of a sudden you're like, hey, that guy can really fit what we're trying to do really well. So it is disappointing. I did want to see a bit more of Jerome Ford. It is disappointing at least that he's not getting these preseason reps because the reps, obviously the live game reps, all of that, it counts for something. And it does ready you in a certain way. You know, Didi, how are the Bengals going to handle the Joe Burrow situation? Um, are they going to be slow to put him out there? Jamar Chase is coming out and said, listen. Yeah, you saw what he said. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll catch you week five. Don't rush it. Uh, what would you do with that situation? Or how do you think they're going to handle it too? I just think that these are all hypotheticals at this point, right? So I think it's like we're still – what are we, three weeks out, four weeks out from four. the start of the season? So there's, yeah, yeah four, four or five weeks. So, like, there's no reason to make a discussion right now. Right. But I think that Tamar is very wily in sort of saying, hey, we're good until week five because anything before that will feel like a bonus at this point. Yeah. You know, if Joe Barrow is indeed 100% and ready to trot out week one, that'll feel like an emotional boost as opposed to being framed as, oh, he's rusty or, oh, he's coming off an injury. It's like, wow, you know, he's ready to go, and we're so excited about that. But I do think that the Bengals are in this for the long game, obviously. They're not going to rush anything early in the season because Jamar Chase does make a really good point. You need him healthy in the stretch. You need him healthy where you go and if you feel strong enough where you're trying to go later in the season and if you feel strong enough about your team i mean this is why you invest in a good backup quarterback this is why you care about your backup quarterback i don't know that they have a good backup quarterback their backup quarterback's trevor simeon i don't think he's very good but he's played in the league i mean he's got some experience and there's not you know you're not being asked to do that much you've got a good run game you've got a good line you dump off the ball to your playmakers and you ask your playmakers yes t and jamar to make some plays for you i mean it is that's a big difference the 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 when the lines first came out for week one the Bengals were three and a half point favorite in cleveland the line's down to one and a half now if burrow doesn't play the browns will be at least a three-point favorite i mean him not playing swings the line six, seven points easy. That's how. Well, and it should. Don't yeah. you think he's one of the top sure. five quarterbacks in the league? Like, hasn't he proven that that is who yeah. he is? And so, obviously, he should have that kind of an impact on it. Speaking yeah. of quarterbacks yes. who are game breakers, are you guys excited for Hard Knocks? Not at all. Are you? Not even no. slightly. Really? I hate Aaron Rodgers. Quarterbacks ruined it. Aditi, we've been on the, the quarterbacks. The Netflix. quarterback on Netflix that, was awesome. It's much better than Hard Hard Knocks is so cheesy. Every year, here's the storyline. There's guys, they make a big deal about some fat coach cursing. There's always some random white dude who's not going to make the roster, or even if he does, he's going to get cut in week two. Yeah, but the Jets already said you're not getting in that meeting when he gets cut. Oh, the Jets so. don't. Jets, who, who the hell are the Jets? They'll get wherever the hell they want to get. <laughs> Their coach is going to get fired at the end of the year if they don't win. And, and, and then, Oh, my gosh. And, and, and cut, so much fun to be. And, and, and cut, down, and cut down day is boring. Nobody wants to see that anymore anyway. They, they do the same thing every year with cut down day. I, think. I want to see if we see the inside of Aaron Rodgers' house. I mean, I saw the pictures in the New Jersey paper of the outside. I'd love to see how he decorated it inside. Do you, I and did it come with the furniture or was that just staging? I guess. We'll, Aaron Rodgers and I share a birthday. Really? Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's Anthony Did you like tomorrow. when the Browns were on Hard Knocks? Did you like when the Browns were on Hard Knocks? Loved it. 
Loved he it. Did. You know, Hugh Jackson came off like a total ass in that. No, Hugh Jackson came off and as a total you. ass and a total phony. Yeah, total yeah. phony. Total yeah. phony. Okay, did like, that you? Did you see a different side of him than what you thought he was prior no. to that? No, I, I thought he came off as as fake. If I'm being totally honest with Didi, because yeah. prior to that, he seemed very mild mannered. He seemed, you know, just more like of a people person. And then he he's arrogantly kind of like you know putting coaches on front street because he's on TV. And it's like, wait a minute, yeah. that's not the dude we hired. Yeah. You only doing this because the cameras are around. If you interacted with him already, you knew that he was a douche. Yeah, I like when the Browns first hired him. I loved the hire at the time because I didn't know him. But then you get to know him, you're like, oh, this guy's a real douche. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting because it yeah. just reveals a different side of, in many ways, when the cameras are always there and it's not what you are putting on in front of people. You know, I think that your loathing of Aaron Rodgers is a perfect example of that. Right. Aaron Rodgers plays a part publicly. And I think when the cameras are on and you see him actually interacting with his teammates, you might see a different side of him. You might see a different piece of his personality. You might not. He might just affirm exactly who you thought he was. Kirk Cousins grew on me. I didn't like Kirk Cousins, and he grew on me from the quarterback documentary. (laughs) I'm trying to find out. My favorite line, I think, in that entire documentary, P.S., was when Kirk Cousins' wife, who is, I mean, all of the wives, I thought I loved Marcus Mariota's wife. I thought Kirk Cousins' wife was really... Um, engaging, but when his wife says, you know, people tease him for shop, for looking like he shops at Target, but we do shop at Target. Yeah. Like, I thought it was so great, was awesome. you know? Like, you tease him for exactly who we are. Yeah, and that's true. You know, like, I've known Kirk Cousins since he was drafted in the league. I covered Washington so much that year when both he and RG3 were rookies, and he is who he is. Like, yeah, he's a weird guy he's not what you would think of as the prototypical starting quarterback in the no. nfl but he is authentically himself he took it i think it's the playoffs really and then read his kid a book. Right <laughs> oh sorry i just i think it's intriguing now how there's so much chatter about who the next group is going to be how josh allen is saying yeah right like I've not said no yet, or I have said no, or I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I think it's pretty cool, that whole piece of it. Yeah. Who would you want to see? Earl, who would you want to see? Who's the three? Who would be Who's your three? Who's the three quarterbacks I would want to see in season two? Hmm. Well, you'd want to see Watson, wouldn't you? Not in season two. Maybe give me Watson in season three. The three quarterbacks I would want to see in season two, give me jalen hurts one is automatic you gotta have give me jalen hurts jalen already said no jalen said no give me this is who he wants to see aditi not who's yeah true true mikey give me justin herbert herb you can't have it can't be two stars she yeah. asked me who I wanted to see. It could be see. whatever Earl wants to see. Yeah, I see. Star, she asked me who I wanted it's to see. It's Neapolitan. Wait. Come on now. It's Wait. a matter you know to set up. You Wait. have a star, medium, medium sauce, and a guy that's... Yeah. That's give, all, right, all right, all right, fine. Maybe give me Earl Tua. thinks Justin Herbert's medium sauce. Let the man do give, his give answer. Tua. She was asked a question. All right, Tua. <laughs> give me Tua. Hurts, Tua. Give me Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I take Justin Herbert off for the sake of this conversation. And give me Trevor Lawrence. All right, I, uh, you still failed the assignment. But, uh, yeah, he got three good. Was one. <laughs> you got an A plus in my mind. Hey, Aditi, I got a serious question what? for you here. Aditi, what did I get? What, what's you got your no grade? Slappy. You got to have you got to have Baker on there. I don't care Baker about that. You got to have Baker. <laughs> Baker of course, you got to have Baker. Baker's got to be the Mariota on there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. I agree. 
I thought I, the whole Mariota thing shedding light on when he whether he actually left the team or didn't leave the team, whether he had oh, the he surgery left. with his coaches. Well, I thought it was interesting to kind of revisit that later. Mm. Yeah. With the cameras having actually been there. It felt, you know, it felt colder in real time to realize that that happened the day after his baby's birth. And thinking about how significant a moment that is and what the real roller coaster is of the highest of highs is watching your baby be born. And then the next day, finding out like, oh, well, so what? You know, like mm. professionally, this is the end of the road, at least in this spot. Um, I don't think I really put it together last year that the two happened that close together, that there was the I, personal and professional uh, jarring. Ahead, anyway, go ahead, Mikey. Sorry. Uh, Didi, I do, I do have a question for you. I need you to rank for me in terms of most impactful to least impactful these three offseason moves for the Browns. The trade of Elijah Moore. Okay. The signing of mm -hmm. Dalvin Tomlinson or the hiring mm -hmm. of Jim Schwartz from most impactful to least impactful on this upcoming 2023. Number one, hiring of Jim Schwartz. Number two, signing of Elijah Moore. Number three, signing of Dalvin Tomlinson. And that's not a knock on Dalvin in any way. I just think that Jim Schwartz has already had such an enormous impact on this club. And it's what it, it's not just the accountability and the discipline and the organization and the scheme and the teaching and the experience and the wisdom and all of that that he brings to the defense and the coaching that he does of the coaches under him, it's also what he's able to take off of Kevin Stefanski's plate. I mean, you've got a seasoned guy who's been in that seat that allows Kevin Stefanski a little bit more freedom leeway time to spend with the quarterbacks and spend with the offense and spend running the whole club kind of on a different level than what he maybe had to do before. So that's number one. Um, I'm super excited to see how the Jim Shorts, Miles Garrett marriage works. And so far I'm hearing that Miles is really responding under Jim Shorts, but I'm very excited to see it up close myself. Uh, number two, I have to pick Elijah Moore just because, my goodness, have you guys seen all these videos of the way he and Deshaun Watson are connecting? Mm -hmm. I mean, I was a huge Elijah Moore fan last year. I remember sitting with him in the production meeting before the week two game. We had that at CBS. We had the Jets-Browns game. I know bad memory for Browns fans, but... I was so impressed with him. Every single report about him coming out of college was just how much he loves the game, how into the game he is, how hard of a worker he is. And I think this new, fresh climate is really good for him. And in offensive coordinators, going from Mike LaFleur to Alex Van Pelt, he's got very different personalities. I think that he's really going to blossom under Alex Van Pelt. I love what I'm seeing about what he's already creating rapport-wise with Deshaun Watson. And then, obviously, Dalvin Tomlinson. I mean, that was the big signing. It's this defensive line. It's what you're doing at the line of scrimmage that you feel great about. But I think that that's also a whole group that also has to do with Zadarius Smith and what he's adding to that group. It's what schematically they're doing. It's Tomlinson is a series of veterans that are bringing something different to that defense, whether it's Juan Thornhill, Rodney McLeod, Tomlinson, it's that whole group of them and what they do for the defense. So again, all meaningful, but yeah. I'm not really hesitating in how I rank. So you can feel free to disagree. You, no, you, you said this Thursday, and I definitely saw it Thursday night in the game. You talked about Jim Schwartz defense and not necessarily who would be out there, but a style of play and a certain attitude. Right. And you can see the attitude of the players that was out there put on display. 
So you got the Commanders versus Browns game this week. I'm pretty sure starters from both teams will play a little bit in this game. Are you excited to see that that attitude transfer over to some guys that we were going to actually see in the regular season this this Friday night? Ooh. Of course, Earl, of course, of course, of course, because even if these games, I mean, what are we going to really see out of the starters? Maybe 15 snaps, maybe 20 snaps, maybe like if one series goes really well, just the one series. But yes, you want to see a little bit of in practice. That's what's going to get the fans excited. That's what's like, oh, you know, everyone nationally is talking about which Deshaun Watson are we going to see? So fans want to see in that one drive, what do you see? But I think for the club, for the coaches, for the front office, what's more interesting is as you get later in the game and you have the guys that are clawing for roster spots or clawing for positioning, that's where you have a little bit more of your attitude, your approach, your aggressiveness. That could be the difference between whether you make this team or not. And so in some ways, Earl, I'd argue that the third and the fourth quarter are really sort of more intriguing than the first quarter. Because you definitely expect that out of Zadarius Smith, and you're not signing Zadarius Smith if you're not seeing that out of him. You expect that out of Dalvin Tomlinson, and it's almost more of a story if you didn't see it, and I just don't think we're not going to see it. The biggest story yeah. is that Didi is going to be in studio Friday. That's the That's biggest right. thing about Friday. Didi, <laughs> we'll see you Friday. The biggest Are you bringing Nico Can't wait. or not? Thanks you don't so know yet. Are you bringing Nico or you I'm don't know not, yet? I know. I don't think okay. he's going to come with me. All right, another time. Because we all right. We'll see you Friday. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Aditi. couple of quickies, and then I just want to read an email I got. Before we do Give that, I got to get our last fast yeah. read in here. Aditi is the GOAT. She'll be on the call with Joe Thomas and Chris Rose on Friday as the Cleveland Browns take on the Washington Commanders on Friday night. We will have all your lead-up to that on the show Friday, and we'll react to it on Monday, so make sure you keep it here locked in on UCSS for all your Browns coming <clears> throughout the season. A uh, <laughs> couple of things. Really, two quickies, and then i got to read this email. Number one, she mentioned Darius Smith there. Uh, Cleve T.A., if you don't follow him on Twitter, he's like the analytics guru of Cleveland, and, uh, and yet he's one of the few non-homers in Cleveland. He, uh, he said that if you look at Darius Smith's pass rush win rate or some analytic that I can't even think of the name of maybe, that Darius should be in store for a big sack year this year. Like, his sacks were abnormally low based on his some statistic. That there were two guys that were below the norm of what they should have done sack-wise, and Zadarius Smith was one of them. Number two, I texted Chris Fedor, who's the Cavs beat reporter, about, you know, like, who's getting the most minutes because of Rubio, and he did say Ty Jerome. However, he said, don't be so sure Rubio won't be here. Rubio stepped away from the national team. He said he might come back by the time the season starts or some point during it. So just because Rubio said he's stepping away doesn't mean he's not going to be back for the Cavs season. Okay. I think we all took it as he's missing yeah. the Cavs. Yeah. But if that's the case, then I, I totally mistook what he said. I thought he was stepping away indefinitely, but yeah, indefinitely. All I can say is, uh, this is what Chris said, I wouldn't bank on him, him being gone quite yet. Season is still months away. Totally fair. So there you go. Now, I wanted to read this email I got last week. Uh, I think it was on Tuesday, G and I got into a, a, a surprisingly heated conversation. He and I never really get into heated conversations. We debate, but we got it got a little heated about Deshaun Watson. I don't even know how it went down this road. And it was funny because... If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. After the, Apparently in the chat room, there were a few people that called me racist. And usually when that happens, you know, every once in a while, you, you, when you, if you talk enough for 20 years... Somebody's going to throw that out at you. And some people are racist. I I know I'm not, right? And so I'm like, well, why would people think that? They know me. I've been talking to radio for 12 years. You know where I stand on things. Why would anybody think I was racist? And I got this email, and it was I thought it was really interesting and created a conversation that G and I had for about 10, 15 minutes off the air yesterday. And I just wanted to share this email with, with the audience. This is from Carolyn. She's a fan. She's a listener. And she reached out to me uh, late last week. And this was the email. She said, regarding your question as to whether, because I made the statement that how could you believe the 22 people came up with a conspiracy together? It's, it's just impossible for me to believe that. She said, regarding your question as to whether 20 or more women entered a conspiracy theory to extort money from Deshaun Watson, probably not. However, it is likely that individually they they might conspire to use his naivete and ego to get paid. From the moment black men were brought here, white women have had their way with them and when caught, cried rape. In modern times, black men have been accused of rape when they have been nowhere near the vicinity. I'm sure you've heard that many men have been released from prison in the era of DNA evidence. All that being said, as a black woman, I can say unequivocally that in Texas, where babies are pushed back into a river at the border, if there had been a hint of a possibility of a case against Watson, he would have been charged, tried, and likely convicted. I enjoy your show, and there has to be difference of opinion, but it's never a mistake to at least consider the other person's perspective. I hope the emotional exchange between you and G. Bush will not affect your relationship. Some <laughs> folks will take their opinion of you, will change their opinion of you based, based on this exchange, but that's not your problem. I just wanted to share an unemotional view of the other side. Go Browns. And I just wanted to quickly read my response to her. Um, I said, Carolyn, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and sharing your thoughts. I think liberal white people like myself often think they can understand what black people go through in this country. And the truth is we cannot. We slash I certainly may sympathize or try and feel your pain, but it is not the same thing. You are right about the fact that some people will look differently at me, and while I may think that is unfair, it is what it is. I've spent my whole career calling it like I see it, and as someone who grew up in a diverse area, unlike many people in Cleveland, I always try to look at things from all different angles. I can't even count how many times I've said on the air that there's a double standard with a lot of situations like this. The truth of the Sean Watson matter is probably somewhere in between. The stories on both sides, uh, in between the stories on both sides. We will probably never know the truth. As for me and G. Bush, nothing has changed. And, but I sent that to her. I, you know, I hadn't really talked about it. I just assumed that nothing had changed. And I, G. and I talked about this email yesterday off the air. And I know we don't have a lot of time. But you and I had a really good conversation after this that I, mm -hmm. I enjoyed. And I think I just, the reason I brought this up is because I just wanted to say that no matter how sympathetic you may be to how other people are treated that are not you, you can never open your eyes enough. No matter how sympathetic and angry I might get that black people are treated shitty by a lot of people in America, and I may be sympathetic, but I can never 
I can't walk in G's shoes. As much as I may want to try to or sympathize, I can't. And everybody's got a different perspective, and everybody should take that into account when commenting on anything. Anyway, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm rushing what I'm trying to say here, but. I, I'll let you go. Uh, being bull, like, uh, I don't have no ill will. I think the best part of the show is that we can pre- present different things out in the open. I know bull personally. I've had meals with him. We talk off the air, online, whatever the case may be. And I never, my relationship doesn't change over anything like that. Um, I, you know, yeah. Reflection is is a good thing, and it just shows that Bull, a lot of people think that he's not open-minded, but for him to read that shows he is open-minded about a lot of different things and always reflecting it. No, I just want to say I appreciate you, like, you know, understand, understanding that, that even though you sympathize and you empathize with us, you can't walk in our shoes every day and understand yeah. what we go through. So if I come off a little emotional sometimes... It's Never just, have to apologize for that. Just, Sorry we got cut off. We're out of time. We, we'll, we'll see you on overtime. Bull's going to overtime. We <laughs> Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.